people. I like to think that it is not you that I stand before primarily. Yes, you can see me. This is what we see in the physical, right? I mean, we see each other and, and I'm here and I'm to share a message today that's going to be upbuilding and uplifting and it's going to be in tune with God's Word. But primarily, I stand before God this morning and that's how I want to preach this message. And thank you, Craig, for that, uh, that beautiful prayer in that way. And also, I had to think of that illustration of the snake. And I was... A little concerned that at the end of the story, little Johnny's not going to be here anymore, but it was his dog instead. But, you know, it's interesting how sin, when we, when we just, it's just a little bit, you know, it's just a look. It's just, it's just one internet page. It's just one time. It, it'll be fine. I can do it. I can handle this thing. And, you know, the next day it is again. And the snake grows and grows. And oftentimes it's not the dog that dies. It's Johnny that dies. Because Johnny becomes overtaken with this sin of immorality, whatever it may be, in his life because he's petted it and allowed it to grow and he's fed this thing and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. But we have a, a, uh, a redeemer, he's t uh, Craig told us this morning, one who came to deliver us from this bondage of sin and wickedness. And we bless God for that this morning. That Christ come came to... To deliver me. And you know, if, if sometimes if I could just see the load of my sin before God, it's a marvelous load. I mean, it's a big one. But God, in His mercy, wiped them all away. I stand before God justified today because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So we bless God this morning. It is good to be here. I'm very grateful to be here before you. And uh, just, just, yeah, the thoughts I'd like to share this morning are from 1 Samuel 17. You are welcome to turn there a while. It'll take me just a minute to get there, but I'd like to, to look today at the title of the message is Go and the Lord be with thee. And so that's a text found in this, in this chapter. We'll get to that after a while. But that is a marvelous wording there. That's, that's a marvelous uh, word from someone else, maybe I should say. And so this is in the context of Saul to David before he goes out to fight Goliath. And I think probably I could say that one of my biggest struggles in life is how do I know that when I go that the Lord is with me? How do I know that this is the right direction? How do I know that I should come over here instead of stay over here? How do I know that, that the many how do I know is in life? And how do I know, yes, when, when we left where we were and we came to where we are now? How did I know that? You know, some of those are very hard decisions to make. And, and we don't know the answer fully to that. We would like God to come and just speak to our heart very clearly and say, I want you to go this direction. And you know, God does that sometimes. But it's not very often, at least not in my life, when I hear it very clearly from God. I think God is more apt or more pleased or more... He, he delights in a people who, first of all, know His Word. And then out of His Word, they live by faith. And, you know, I don't think that if a heart is bent towards God, if I am kingdom-minded, if my affections are set on things above, then God will lead me. I believe it. I mean, I look back over my life and I see where I came from to where we are now. I would be hard-pressed to make it any better than what God did. It would be difficult for me to, to go back there and say, Okay, God, this is where I want to be in, in 15 years. And that's, that's about the length of time we were married now. A little over that, actually. But I can't plan it. And you know, even going forward, I would hesitate to say, God, I want to, if I could get anything that I wanted to, I would still not want to tell God this is where I want to be. Because in His omnipotence and in His uh, all-knowing, you know what? He has so much better for me. And so, and, and so I choose to walk by faith in God. But, you know, we all want God to be with us as we go. And I believe that that, that really is the heart cry for, for each one of us here, that as we go, that the Lord is with us. Because outside of Him being with us and His blessing upon us, I mean, you're not going to get very far in life. You, you can try. It's like a stuck truck, really. I mean, we bought, when we bought our property, we, it was a clay chunk of ground. And so I think you know a little bit about clay down here. If I'm not mistaken, there's some clay around this area. And so 
when you break through with the top with a two-wheel drive truck, I mean, you can press that thing down as hard as you want to, and you're not going an inch. I mean, it just spins the tires, and you're, you're soon down to the axle. And so I want us to think this morning that way, that outside of the blessing of God on your life, on my life, I am just like that truck. I can push as hard as I want to. I can try to strong arm this thing, and I can try to make it go. It's not going to go. It's not going to go. You're going to waste your time. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get upset with the Christian life. You're not going to know why, what is God thinking when He set up the Christian life. And I fear that too many of us are there sometimes where we're not quite sure, why God? What is this? This thing is muck and mire from day one and I'm still there. You know, God has more for us than that, I believe. I believe God has something greater than that for us. But we want God to be with us as we go. We really do. And unless He is outside of that, it's not going to work. I just want to make that very clear in my own heart, but it's not, it's not going to work. And so we have a family in our congregation who is considering they want to go somewhere, right? They want to go somewhere to serve, but they're not quite sure exactly where they want to go yet. They're thinking New Horizons. They're going to go out and check it out this weekend. But, see, but that is questions in their heart is, do we go here or do we not? Where do we go? And like I said earlier, I believe that when our heart is bent towards God, whether we go to New Horizons or whether we come to Harlan, Indiana, it doesn't matter to God because God is able to use us in both areas if our heart is bent towards God. If I have kingdom-mindedness, if, if my focus is God's Word, heavenly, it's up there. As, as Hebrews tells us, uh, as Abraham was, he was, his, his, he was a pilgrim and a stranger upon this earth. He was a pilgrim and a stranger. The things upon this earth didn't bind him down. The, 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 the nice niceties of life. And you know, I get caught in that trap so quick. I really do. I mean, I live in an age where it is as easy as ever to make money. I mean, I, I believe that we're no different in, in, as far as a time frame than the, than the Israelites going into the land of Canaan. And this thing was milk and honey, and it was easy, and they forgot God. I mean, they forgot Him the minute they got in there. And they complained, and they whined about things. And, and I just read through Numbers, and it's amazing the things that, that took place that they, they, they so quickly forgot about God. They so quickly forgot about God. But let's be people who can say the Lord is with us as we go, because we know Him. We walk with Him. We have a relationship with Him. We understand His will for us. And it's not something that happens on Sunday morning. It's a daily thing. I mean, it's a, it's a Monday morning thing. It's a Monday night thing where we, where we pray and we seek God's face and we look at His Word. And which direction does God want me to go? And you know what? At that point, I believe that God is with us as we go, whether it's here or in China or in New Horizons in, uh, in Colorado out there. And sometimes we, we tend to to think that God's blessing is upon us when things are going well. And that God's curse, or, or, or not curse so much as God is saying no when things don't go so well. And you know, I want to give a little bit of room for that one. But not very much. I don't think that that's a, a, a good answer whatsoever to, uh, to God's yes or no in direction in life. So Paul is, I can't remember where he was going, but he said that there is a great opportunity here but there's also tremendous adversity. But he was going to preach the gospel, and I can't remember where that was. But, but he was going to preach the gospel, but there was tremendous adversity. There was a great open door, he said, and, uh, and he went to do that. So let's look at a few, a few thoughts that go towards that. <clears throat> when I think of, of, of looking at my answer within the realm of things going good or things not going quite so well. So I believe that we can tend to be like Job's three friends at times where... Okay, so this bad thing came upon you. What did you do? You must have done something wrong in order to make this happen to you. Now, God used the Israelites in that way very much so. But in the New Testament, God chastens those He loves. I mean, God brings affliction upon those. And you know what that affliction does? It always, most always, draws the heart closer to the Father. It draws you closer to God in a, a time of, of just... Everything just flowing along, a bit like we are now. Like I mentioned, it's easy to forget God in that time. And so God brings adversity to those He loves, knowing it's going to draw them closer to Himself. But let's look at, uh, at Psalm here where... Uh, um, this is a Psalm of Asaph, alright? So this is not David. 
But Psalm 73, verses 1 through 3. Now, we're, we're, we're in the context of things going good, meaning yes, and things going bad, meaning no. All right? Let's read it. So, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And so, here the wicked are prospering, and if we use that as a basis of yes or no from God, that's not going to work, because the, pro- the, the wicked are prospering here. And, you know, as we consider Job, I'm guessing he had probably the most miserable life of any man that I knew of on this earth, yet he said this. He said, let me be weighed in, the, in an even balance, that God may know mine integrity. So, so here's Job, and he's, he's afflicted of the devil. Because God allowed it to happen. And Job is afflicted of the devil. And he, and he stands up and he says, Let me be weighed in the balance that God may know my integrity. And I just want to challenge us this morning. Would I be willing to stand before God and say that very thing right there? Do I know the integrity of my heart before God? And I think that it's okay to know that. I don't think it's wrong for us to stand up and say that, uh, the, that God before you, like Job said, I... I don't know what's going on. Father, I believe my heart is clean. I believe that my life is clean before you, but I don't understand what is happening here. But I choose to trust you in the middle of it. Now, that family that is considering going to uh, New Horizons, the, the wife, the, the dear sister there, she is struggling with limes right now. She's had a, a quite a long journey with that already. And, okay, so they're planning on going out this Saturday. And so this past uh, Tuesday... This, this, so just, just not very long ago, just, just a couple days ago, her husband had to carry her in the house because her feet hurt so bad she couldn't walk. Now, now she could say, and she, does, she didn't want to go to begin with, really. I mean, she was open to what her husband wanted, but she wasn't just chomping at the bit to go. He wanted to go. So she could use this as a, we shouldn't go. But no, that's not accurate. That's not accurate. And she's not doing that at all. But, but she has this difficulty in her life, yet I know her, and we're very close as a couple, that I believe that the integrity of her heart is, is clean before God, that her heart is right and holy and noble before the Father. And so, as I consider what Job said, let us say before God the same thing. Can we say that before the Father this morning, that God knows the integrity of my heart, and in and in that, in this integrity, I'm clean before God. Now let us be careful. I also know that David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me. And if there is, God, I'm not doubting that there is. Lead me in the way everlasting. Take me that direction. And you know, God is faithful to do that. God is faithful to do that. All right, go and the Lord be with thee. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Let's keep going. You know, in, in, in life, things may not always go exactly how we want it to go. They may not always um, um, be where we want it to be. But we know of a certain that if the thing that I'm doing is God's will, and that my, if my heart is sincere towards God, and, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit today, in sincere heart. But if my heart is sincere before God, that God will lead us. God will lead us. And you know, God opens doors. Revelations 3. He opens doors that no man can shut. And He shuts doors that no man can open. So if your heart is bent towards God and you're walking, you're not sure is this direction God wants me to go. If you're sincere before the Father, and and God will lead you where you need to go. He will. God is faithful to do that. The Holy Spirit leads into all truth. And God will lead you where you need to go in that case. So today... I would like to look at what are some of the characteristics of a person to whom that truly can be said to. Go and the Lord be with thee. See, as I said earlier, it's easy for me to say that in blessing. But the reality of it is that doesn't make God do that. It doesn't mean that God is automatically going to come and be with you as you go. There is certain characteristics in life that need to be there so that God is able to, and when I say able to, come and bless you as you go. That's what God delights to do. He desires to do that. I might take a cup of water if you got one. And so God delights in doing that. So let's turn, as I said, to 1 Samuel 
and it's chapter 17, verses 20 through 37. And I'm going to have you stand as I read this. It's a little bit of a lengthy read there, but I would like for you all to stand as I read this in, uh, in uh, 1 Samuel 17, 20 through 37. <clears throat> Verse 20, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the battle and shouted for the battle. I was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran unto the army and came and saluted his brethren. And he talked with them Behold, or as he, and as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And this was going on already for 40 days. Verse 24, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And, when, and the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up, surely to defy... Israel is he come up and it shall be that the man who killeth him the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel which meant paying no more taxes can you imagine this I mean if you go out and kill him you're gonna you're gonna be free no more taxes for you verse 26 and David spake to the men that stood by him saying what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel for who is, and I want you to catch these phrases that David says as we go through here. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Already as it has been said. Verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for this? Is there not a, a, a reason why I'm asking this question to these people? Verse 30, And he turned from him towards another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake. They rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of those or one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of this lion or of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Thank you, and you may be seated. <clears throat> so, so here's a young man. I don't know how old he was. Does anyone know how old David was at that time or about? 17? Okay, 17. A youth and fair and, you know, just a little fella. And he probably wasn't very big. And so here he is in front of this whole army. And he is saying, why don't you do something about him? Why aren't you going out after him? And, and, and he can't understand this. And so I think that's probably where Eliab's anger got kindled against him just a bit because he's kind of putting him on the spot. Why are you not out there kind of thing? And he's an uncircumcised Philistine. He is no different than anything else that I have killed in the past. And so David has a... So the first, the first point, let me, let me stop just a bit. The first characteristic of a man of whom can be said... God go or, or go and the Lord be with thee is that he knows God. Now that may seem like a, a, uh, a strange statement there a bit. Who doesn't know God? 
But you know, there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. If we know about God, we know He is there. We know He has caused the sun to, to, to rise and He reigns on the just and the unjust. But to know God is a completely different place to be. And that is to have that relationship with Him that flows on a continuous... Uh, 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 it doesn't stop. It's not a Sunday morning uh, relationship. It's a continuous relationship where I and the Father are one. I speak only those things that God says for me to speak, my Father. And, and there's a connection there that is continuous. And it's a... Uh, yes, and David had that. David had that in his sheep watching, in his sheep caring. He saw God move many times there. He trusted God. And I can just imagine he's out there with his little slingshot. He's going round and round. He's practicing on different things. And, 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 and here comes this bear and this lion. And they grab one of his sheep. And you know, as I think of elders in the church especially, in this way, we have a, a, a roaring lion out to destroy as well. But you know, David didn't forfeit one of his sheep for his own protection. He, he didn't. He went after this thing and not only did he get the sheep back again, but he killed the bear. He killed the lion. He smote them. He grabbed them by the beard, it says, and he killed them. I don't understand that. I would be hard-pressed to go to a, a real lion and grab his beard and, and, and whack into his head there. It probably wouldn't work very good. But, but he did that. David didn't let one of his sheep go so that he could be protected. He was serious about his calling to watch his sheep. I mean, he, he was vigilant and he was watching around and he took his slingshot <coughs> and he knew how to use it. He knew how to use it. I mean, it is a blessing to, to, to just realize that, that we have a slingshot today too. It's called a sword today. But, but, we, but he knew how to use that thing and, and he delivered these people out of his, or these animals out of his out of the lion and the bear. But this, this man was no different. I mean, he looked at this person, nine foot tall, with a great big old spear and a sword, and a, a shield bearer. You know, there's two of them out there. It was Goliath and his shield bearer was out there as well. And so they, he didn't look at them any different. He said, this uncircumcised Philistine defying the armies of the living God. I mean, that just tore him up. He couldn't handle that when someone was going to stand and, and really curse the army of God. And so he, he went forth to fight him. <clears throat> and so now, number one. So David knew something about God that the rest of the army of Israel didn't know. Does that scare us or not? And so who in here knows God in that way? I mean, he knew that's a pretty poor percentage there with David. One person, one little man who trusted God. He knew something about God the rest of the army of Israel didn't know. He knew God was going to deliver him and deliver Goliath into his hands. And so, and so knowing God is one of the characteristics here of that. And uh, I would like to now go to, uh, go, to go on in, in, in Samuel here and read just a few more verses as I, can, as I continue this thought about do we know God? Do we know that God fights our battles? Do we know that, that, that He is the fortress, the one that we run to? And this morning I ran to God. I ran to God. We got a text last evening from Edna, the one with the sore feet. And her one foot is all swollen up because of this. And you know, I just cried out to God this morning for that. And I know He heard me. I don't know what's going to happen with this. There's no promise for healing in that. But, but I know He heard me. But He is the one that we go to. Let's continue reading here in, uh, in this First Samuel. And, and, and the characteristic is the one who can be said, Go and the Lord be with thee, is that He knows God. He knows God, intimately knows God. And you know, sometimes we struggle with even knowing our wife, the one beside us. But this man knows God. Let's go on here, verses uh, 42 through 47. And in uh, 1 Samuel 17, 42 through 47. And when the Philistine looked, and let, let's, just, let's just put ourselves there. Can we do that? I, I like to imagine a bit as I go here. But let's just put ourselves out there and picture this thing with me as you go. And so there is, there's David and he's running out there before Saul. And this Philistine in verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about and he saw David, he disdained him. I mean, who are you thinking you're coming out here to get me? I mean, he was, he was mocking him. I mean, this little fellow, I mean, he's probably half as tall or maybe a bit more. And uh, let's go on here. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. I mean, there was no beard, beard hair yet. I mean, he was just a, just a young one there. 
And so, so there was no, no threat to, to Goliath. I mean, he wasn't even scared of him, it didn't sound like. Verse 43, And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. I mean, he depended upon his own strength, his, his gods. I mean, he has plenty of them around him, and so, so he's fine, you know. Verse 44, And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, unto the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord the, of hosts, the, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. <clears throat> this day, verse 46, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. I will take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and unto the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves, saveth not with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. You know what? He didn't stop with Goliath. He said, the rest of you guys out there, you're going to fall too. God is going to deliver you into our hands. And he knew something about God. He knew the battle was not his, but it was the Lord's. And, and so many kings, so many kings, they went to, to other kings for protection. And God says, because you did that, because you went to another king for protection, I will destroy you. I'm going to do it. If you would have stayed here and your trust would have been in me, I would have saved you. But since you didn't do that, I'm going to destroy you with the rest of them. God is looking for people who know Him and those who are intimately connected. You know what? God uses those people. God uses those in a mighty way. But question number two. All the assembly is going to know that there is a God after this battle. Does this assembly know? Does my assembly know that there is a God by how I fight my battles? That is a very telling sign. Is, is, do, do, do the people around me Know that there's a God by how I fight my battles. That's a very real thing in my own heart. By how I respond to things that are difficult in life. God will, or the, the people will know, in that case, whether I am in with, through God, or if this thing is by myself, in and of the flesh. God will understand and know, or people will understand and know that by how I fight my battles. But, but he said that, that this assembly is going to know that there's a God. And you know what they did? And I believe, I just believe that as David threw this stone, God guided it to the only place that was available on Goliath, his forehead. And this thing sunk in there and knocked him out. And, and by Goliath's own sword, his head was cut off. All David said these things. I mean, I don't know where he came up with that, but on his way out, I, I will do this to you, he said, because I know God. Because God is going to do this. And that's a characteristic of a man of, that, that, know, that, that can be said, go and the Lord be with thee. But you know what? I, I enjoy, I enjoy the, uh, the Pilgrim's Progress. And reading through there, so Christian, he is running along and he gets to the Valley of Apollyon. Or not, I'm sorry, the Valley of Humiliation. And, and he sees Apollyon coming afar off to meet him. And this is the devil. And, and he has uh, feet like a bear and head like a lion and scales on his back. And there's fire coming out of his belly, it says there. And, um, and I realize this is not the Bible. I understand that. But you know, there was a fight there. He came and he said, where are you coming from? He said, I was, I was in your country. I was, I was in this land of destruction. I'm headed for the celestial city. And he's going that direction. And he says, you can turn around and go back right now if you want to. Apollyon did. And he says, no, I can't do that. I already uh, gave my allegiance to the king of kings. And, and then there was a fight that ensued there. And it says that though he... He shielded himself from many of the darts. He was hurt in many places. And he started to lose out. Christian did. And in the fight, his sword fell out of his hand. His sword fell out of his hand. And then at the very end, he was able to get his sword and he punched and he thrust it into Apollyon. And that's what took him away. He couldn't handle the word of God. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, if we don't know the word of God, don't expect to fight and win. Don't expect to know God in such a way that he's going to be with you as you go. Because it's right here. You see, I like revelation from God. I like personal when God sh shows me something or, or I know it's God. And there are times that that's the case. There are very times that it's very clear that God says, yes, go do this. 
And I've had those. But most of the time, it's by faith through this word right here. But personal revelation is great. But this is a revelation that's personal as well. And this thing is personal too. This is from God. Directly, directly to us. It is relevant today, 2022. It is as relevant as it was 2,000 years ago. In fact, Moses, in his writings, was many, many more years before that. But, but it's here. And, it's, and, and so we fight. We fight or we go, I'm sorry, we go knowing God. And without, without knowing God, we won't, we won't make it. We're not going to go. We're not going to get very far. This thing is not going to work. All right, number two. I would like to look at another, another uh, characteristic. And I'm going to say that, that genuine, I want to just look at that as, as uh, a characteristic of a person. So, you know, it's, it's sometimes, especially as young people, it's hard to just be you. Okay, so in my... Uh, in my years, I have talked to a number of different people. And, and so this one young lady comes to me, my niece. And she comes to Melinda and I, and, and she has these struggles in her life. And she says that in her circles, she feels like she is, uh, she is less than, or she's not accepted, or, or, you know, she's just less than other people. That's what she's telling us. And I'm sitting there scratching my head and saying, okay, so from the outside in, you're leading these people around. They're following you. So what are you saying? I mean, well, why are you telling me this? Um, and I had another circumstance very similar to that where I felt the leader or the, you know, as you have a group of young people, there's always somebody who leads out and goes and other people somewhat follow along. And, and so this was the same thing that happened there. And I said, okay, so there's a problem somewhere. Obviously, people have a, a wrong idea of themselves. Can I say it that way? I mean, to be genuine is to be real, to be you, to you as in who the Lord made you to be. You know, God didn't call me to be Samson. He didn't call me to be anyone else. He called me to be me. And you know, there was years, not years, there was times that I used to try to think that I needed to be like another preacher and preach that way. And you know what? It didn't work. I mean, I couldn't be that other person. And when I realized that God wanted me to be me, that was a very freeing reality in my life. To know that it's okay to be Dan Hirschberger. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. And God made me to be me. And so, genuine. Let's not pretend. <clears throat> Let's not pretend we're something, someone different. But I want to go on here. Let me catch my thoughts as I, uh, as I look at that. Okay. As a young man, genuine. Let's look at David again. Uh, genuine. He knew that the battle was the Lord's. Verse 47. I read that. And, and, and that this battle is the Lord's. He knew this. He was genuine. He understood God. There was something in him that he knew that the battle or the power of this thing was not in the shield or the spear or even the slingshot. But it was in God's blessing upon his life and in God's ability to deliver him out of the hand of Goliath in that situation. And so, so, so being genuine, see, see, David could have said, okay, so if they don't go out, I mean, if Eliab doesn't go out, I and mean, he's way older than I am, I don't think I should do that either. I mean, look at him. I mean, this, this, this is, I, I think I would tend to just be like him a little bit. We're not going to go do this. And, you know, that we can do the same thing. So, testimony time. It's pretty quiet. Usually. At least with us. I don't know how it is with you. But testimony time is, uh, we're all waiting for someone else to speak up. Do you have a word from the Lord? Speak up, brother. Speak up. I'm telling you. That's what God wants us to do. Because it is by the word of our testimony that, that, that we overcome the, uh, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and that's not quite where I want to go, but yet I want us to consider the word of our testimony is very powerful to those around us. We don't need to wait on someone else. We can speak up. We can say what God has blessed me with. And you know, if we have nothing to say, that's okay at times, but I think if it's a continuous thing, we maybe better check on some other things in our life. Is that fair to say? Is that okay to say? You know, because I believe that as a Christian, if God is first, which He is, and God is first, then there's, some, there's something happening somewhere if I'm actively pursuing God. There's new ground being plowed somewhere, and God is there, and, and He is filling, and He's, he's, he's using us, and, and there's something to be shared there. But David was genuine. I mean, he was, he was real. He didn't let the other people around him, even the seasoned warriors, stop him. No, God is with me. I'm going to go fight that man. And, and, uh, and he went gladly to do this. And you know, he took the weapon that he was familiar with the most. His little slingshot. He tried on Saul's armor. That didn't work very good. I and mean, this thing was cumbersome and heavy. And you know, he probably couldn't pick the spear up very well. 
We took the one thing he was familiar with. And you know, that's what we do too. That's what we do too. We take this thing that we're familiar with and we go fight. And we go live. And we go be sincere. And we see what God has. We see what God says. And then and, and we go. And God is with us because we're genuine, sincere, real before God. And God is looking for a real people. And, and listen, brothers and sisters, people are looking for a real people too. People just want you to be real. In all your dirtiness, in all your undoneness, just be real. Just be real. You know, there was one day, uh, we had a season in our house where it just seemed like it was chaos. It just, the children trying to get them to bed, trying to just, trying to do life was just a mess. And you know, I think it's important that we spend a lot of time thanking God. That's something I'm very adamant on when I pray is you begin with thanking God for what you have received and then maybe go into your petitions or whatever you want and then thank Him for even those delivering you from those in the end. But I would kneel down and you know what? Thank you God for this, this life that you've given us and for our children and our family and everything. And one night I knelt down and I said, God, this thing is a mess. It's not working. I don't know why it is this way, but we're a mess. We, we need to change. There's some, we need your help. Right there. I mean, you, you could have snapped your finger and it was done. But our total atmosphere in the house changed after that. God is looking for a real people. And He's not scared of your complaining. Really? I mean, He's not. If it's a lifestyle, you know what? We better change it. But just be honest with God. David was many times. Just be honest with God. Genuine. Real. That's what God is looking for. <clears throat> That's what God is looking for. To be sincere or genuine is that our motives and actions are free from anything that is not whole. Motives and actions are free from anything that is not whole, right, or true and is not in, in accordance with that which we say we believe, which in this case it is God. It, is not, it doesn't differ. I mean, if I'm genuine in, in my walk with God, in my belief of God, the things that I do are going to sincerely line up with that. And you know... I like a verse, it's the last verse in, uh, in Ephesians. In sincerity there is much grace. That's not the verse. But it says there, Grace be with all of them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. I mean, sincerity is just an honest realness there. You know, the people that were challenged the most by Christ were the Pharisees. I mean, they had the outside of the cup clean and sparkling and and this thing was decked out nice, but the inside was full of dead men's bones. This thing wasn't, not at all where God wanted them to be. And, and hypocrites, I mean, he used the word for the, for the Pharisees many times. When, when we try to portray something that we're not, when we do something or, or trying to hide something that, that we're not, that's a hypocrite. And God is saying, woe unto you, he says. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. They are whited sepulchers that were beautiful on the outside, but full of dead men's bones on the inside. And uh, <clears throat> they appeared to be righteous on the outside, but inside they were full of iniquity. And God couldn't handle that one. But you know what? The woman, the woman that was caught in adultery, I don't condemn thee. You know what? Go, go your way. Don't sin no more. I mean, don't, don't keep, continue on. See, she was, she was maybe forced to be real, but she was real. I mean, there was no dirt hidden there. And so, so God forgave her. Christ forgave her right there on the spot. But the ones that were pretending to be something else, God could not forgive them. There was no forgiveness for them. And you know, as I consider, you know what, being a dad, being a dad and a boss and a, and a father, or not father, husband, and a, and a pastor, is there's a lot of responsibility there. There's a lot of cause to be real. You know, Maybe, maybe I do this too much, but I'm going to just share what I shared with our church, okay? So, so we have Bible study every uh, once a month, so we, we get together as a congregation. And, and so I told the church, I told some of the brothers that I'm not able to come because we were quite busy that week. I said, we're, we're busy this week, and Wednesday night we're just not going to make it because of these other things. And you know, the reality was it wasn't those other things. We had company that I scheduled that night that... I forgot about Bible study, so I scheduled this company. So while all of this was true, while all of this other busyness was true, I lied to the church. 
I said, this is why I, said, this is why I can't come when in reality it was because of the company coming. And I went to the church and I told them, church, I'm, I did this. I lied to you and I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry that I did that. And you know, the, the, the forgiveness and the embrace and the welcome that came from that, not the welcome, but just the yeah, forgiveness that comes from that is marvelous when that takes place. It's marvelous. And it's so important that we do that. And you know, as I consider the culture that we live in, I'm sorry, almost tends to be unmanly or, or weakness or, or something like that. But you know, there's... There's nothing more powerful that as we as parents can do or church, whatever, whatever responsibility that we have that we can do to the people that's going to draw us together is to confess our faults one before another and pray one for another that there is healing that comes. And I mean to tell you, there was great healing when I did that. And, and, and the church then also realizes that I'm not some buddy who's got it all figured out. I'm not. I'm not. I'm no different than they are. I need them and they need me. And back and forth as a brotherhood. And so genuineness has much to do with our relationship with God, but it also has much to do with our relationship with each other. And you know, oftentimes those closest to us already know that thing that we've done. Already know. And so, I'm sorry. You know what? It goes a long ways. It goes a long ways. It is a sign of strength and not weakness. It's the most healing thing that can happen. And you know, we also must, in our home and in our church, we must have it readily available for people to come to us and confess those things in their own life and then walk with them. And walk with them in forgiveness and love and acceptance. And as I shared a little bit earlier, as I consider the dump truck load of sins that I brought to Christ and His forgiveness of me and acceptance and continuing undying love for me, has brought me so much further than if he would have been critical of me or if he would have, you know, broadcasted this thing out to the world. He didn't do any of that. It was just a quiet forgiveness and, and, and as far as the east is from the west, they're gone. They're gone. And you know, it is marvelous to have that sin unloaded from your back. Amen? Amen. 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 It is good to have that load gone. It is good to have that load gone. One more I'd like to talk about. I don't know where we're at with time. Um, but... Uh, um, one more here, unselfish. And so as I, consider, as I consider a man of God whom can be said, the Lord be with thee, go and the Lord be with thee, is unselfishness. Unselfishness. You know, David had twice had the opportunity to kill Saul. And his men urged him to do it. But he said, no, I can't do this thing to God's anointed. I cannot touch him. In fact, one time he cut the corner of his skirt off. It says, and then right in the next verse it says, but it smote his heart later that he did this. He shouldn't have done this to the Lord's anointed and cutting his corner of his, of his uh, robe off. But, but I believe that the moment he did it so that he could show it to Saul that I had the opportunity to kill you and I didn't do it. And you know, Saul repented there, but it wasn't long he was after David again. But, but David was a very unselfish person. And uh, as I consider his, his love for God, and it all comes back to knowing his, his knowledge of God. It really does. All of these comes back to the knowledge of God. Knowing God and, not, and knowing this was the Lord's anointed. Because David had a fierce army. And, and so there was, there was a number of his men with him. And they said, should I go do it, David? Should I go kill him? No, let's not do it right now. It's not my duty to do that. It's, it's only God alone. God can do this. And, and, uh, and so, so selfishness... As I consider unselfish, opposite selfishness, selfish, me-ish, my stuff, me, my wants, my desires, those things that I long for is a very destructive, destructive trait to possess. Not only does it destroy the relationships around us, but consider this, the selfish person himself is not happy in all his hoardings and ends up in ruin. Selfishness is, is, is very destructive to those around you. When it's about me, when it's about my wants, when I set up things, when I do things to attain the end goal of what I want, it may not look um, like I'm getting what I want all the way through, but at the end, I still get what I want. This thing is all about me. It's, it's, it's my desires are met. It's disregarding others that I can get what I want to get. It's all about me. And that is a very, very wrong, and uh, it is totally ungodlike to be selfish. 
as I consider God giving. You see, giving is, to me, one of the most important things that a person can do. If you want to grow in the Christian life, give. I'm not talking just financially, but yes, that too. But giving is one of the, the, the best things you can do. You know, it's fun to receive a $100 bill. But you know, it's more fun to give this $100 bill. It really is. And the Bible backs that up because it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It is more happy. It is more fun. It is more joyful to, to give that widow, that person, a, a $100 bill and know that they can use this thing way more than I can need. And, and it just blesses them. I mean, it's a joy to see that. It is fun. And so, give. God didn't make us to be possessors. He made us to be givers. If we're made in the image of God, and we are, we're made in His image, God is a giver. He, is, he gave His only Son. And then, and then His only Son gave His life. As He says in, uh, in, in the Gospels there, that no man takes it, but I give it. I give it. And you know, give. Give of your time. Give of your money. When I say yours, it's not yours anyhow. The Bible says that when you die, who's going to have this stuff? You know what? You're not going to get it anymore. But, but God is going to use this for the... I'm not sure how it says there, but I believe it's something that the righteous will get it. It says in Psalms somewhere that... Uh, but, but give. Be a giver. Unselfish. <clears throat> now, Philippians 2, verses 4 and 5. says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ. And so, we don't look. I, my, my primary focus in life ought not to be, especially in our home congregation, the things of myself. What can I do to, to bless my brother so that he succeeds, especially in the Christian life. And, and uh, when I say especially, you know, there's other things there too that, that uh, we, could, we could say, you know, financially as well. You know, there's some who, who are maybe poor with money. And I think that there's that, that's a time we sit down and we talk about it. We say, hey, what can I do to help you to be more careful with what you have? And in the meantime, can I help you with something? And it's not always wise to just give someone a $100 bill because if they're just going to spend it that quickly, that's not a good steward. Anyways, I'll leave that with you as you, as you look at some of that yourself. But uh, as you're faced with those decisions, verse, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24, again, the same thought line, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth, meaning their well-being. It's not that you go after someone else's money, which is seemingly what, 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 what some people try to do, but, but it says that, let no man seek his own, but every man another man's wealth. May, may, may I do whatever I can to, to build my brother up, to build him up. And, and you know, in a, in a brotherhood, when you do this, when you do this in a brotherhood, and your desire is that the brother next to you wins, and his desire is that his brother next to him wins, and this thing makes a full circle, everybody is going to win. Everyone will win in that case. And... and Yes, I, I just want to leave that. But it takes a heart. It takes a heart that is sold out. And, and the possessions in life can often play a big hindrance into this thing. I had to learn that myself. That, that the things that we have, it, it, it's amazing how God says, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together. Imagine if I got a bucket. And running over will be given into your bosom, it says. And I'm not thinking that if you give a $10 bill, he's going to give you 1000 That's not what I'm saying. But the blessing, when you give in a brotherhood, when you give yourself to the brotherhood, and you, you, uh, you just, your desire is for the benefit of the whole, and, and, and people live there, God pours a blessing into that thing, and it goes. It goes. It really does. And I, can, I want to say, brothers, that our congregation at home, we have experienced some of that. And I tell you, the brothers... It is a blessing. It is a blessing. And I don't take it lightly. I don't take it lightly that these brothers are so knit together. And I just pray that it continues. But it's a beautiful thing. It's a glorious thing. <clears throat> so what if I have an idea? And my idea is not accepted or chosen. Can I take a brother's idea that is accepted and chosen and put my all into it and go? You see, I think metal roofing is is the only thing you should do. I don't think you should even put a shingle on. I don't think shingles are made for house roofs. I, I think those are made for the landfill. They should go. But, you know, what if a brother says he would rather have shingles on the church roof? You know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And, and more than that, can we take the quiet brother, the one who doesn't say much, 
and draw out of him what is his thoughts about something. And then, then just kind of build that thing up a little bit. And, and you add to his thought. And soon it's his thought that has brought us here. And it, it brings tremendous value to that person. So we have a, a family in our church that I, that I greatly appreciate. And he is, he is more of that kind of person. And he's built a couple mini barns in his life. He's done some of that. And so in our congregation, we're looking for a mini barn, right? And so we say, all right, brother, you go ahead and do this. You, you put this plan together and, and we want to embrace what you have for the most part. We're going to talk about it. You know, you bring us some thoughts and ideas and, and, uh, and then we want to look at it and see you as a congregation. Is this what we want? And is this the direction we want to go? And uh, I talked with him in the middle of this. He called me up with some questions about some things and, and he said he is thoroughly enjoying this. And you know, I, as a construction, I could have done what he's doing probably in quite a bit shorter of a time. I know lumber prices. I know how to put things together. And, and, and it could have been done a whole lot quicker and probably a bit different. But you know what? That's okay. My way is not the only right way. His way works too. And it brings value to him. The more quiet, the more uh, reserved person in our church. And so these are the things I believe that we can do as we are unselfish and, and we want God's blessing upon us. These are the things that happen. And you know, what are people drawn to? People aren't drawn to somebody who has all the answers. They're not looking for that. They're looking for a humble person. And I just want to go to, to 1 Samuel 22 and look at David again here just a little bit. Just a few verses here. As I look at 1 Samuel 22 in uh, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Verses 1 and 2. And David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontent gathered themselves unto him, and he became captain over them, and there was with him about 400 men. And I asked myself the question do I want that vagabond group of people around me? Do I want people that are in debt and people who are discontent and people who are in distress? And furthermore, would such a person consider me as to somebody who would be okay with them and allowed to gather around me? Those are some very heart-searching questions as we consider genuineness and unselfishness, God's blessing upon my life kind of thing. Am I okay with that? This, this group of people, I mean, why in the world? That's not who I want on my side. A bunch of vagabonds, a bunch of people who are, who are disgruntled about life, really. But you know who came? His father's house. They knew David. They knew David. When they heard he was there, they knew something about him that said, I, in my undoneness, can come to David. He's going to accept me. And you know, David grew probably the world's strongest army right there. I don't know that there was ever a time that there was 400 men that did more than what David's men did. There could be. I don't know. But he had a tremendous, fierce army. And let's go on down to 2 Samuel. Now, you don't need to turn there. I have it, have it on my paper. I'll just read it here. But 2 Samuel 23, verses 14 through 17. And David was in a hold. And, in, and the garrison, or the army of the Philistines, was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the hosts of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord and said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did the three mighty men. And I consider this, David had a longing for this water. And you know, I don't know that he even told these men anything. They heard him say it. And they said, let's go for David and get him some water. They had such respect and such a love for David, their leader, their, their captain, that they went and risked their lives. Three people into a city that was held by the Philistines to get water out of this well. 
I marvel at that, brothers. What for life must have David lived to get these people to revere him in that way? Therefore, where must I be, brothers? In my own house, for my family to walk after me in that way. Where must I be? It, It is a sobering question, really. And you know, I believe these men did it in their love for David, but I believe they, would, they knew that he would do the very same thing for them. That he, would, he risked his life many times before for their safety. And so they knew this from David before. <clears throat> and so, what causes people to do this? What causes people to do this? It's, it, it comes, and it, it really comes back to the person who is their commander in that case, which was David. And so... I have just a few questions here in the end. And it was really heart-searching for me as I wrote these down. So fathers, does your family know that when it comes to people, they are first and that you are there for them? Or is work and other relationships more important than they? And I'm talking to myself here, pastors. Do your people know that they can come to you with their struggles and not be rejected and exposed to the rest of the church, but rather have a loving arm put around them and and walk to freedom? And walk to freedom. Mothers, can your daughters make mistakes in the kitchen and without being told it was better if they would stay out of the kitchen, but instead give them another opportunity to to do it again with some of your guidance? And you know, I think in my own heart, the the answer to those questions, how I answer those questions, will determine the army that I build around myself. I firmly believe that. If if I am not genuine and and honest before these people, and then in turn, in, in Christ's acceptance and love of me, and His death on the cross, He accepted and loved and blessed me, and took me out of that miry clay, and set me on a solid rock, and he, he delivered me from all the powers of darkness. And he didn't say one word about it. He said, come, let's go do this. How we respond to other people around us is going to determine the, 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 the army that we build around us. And how I hope to respond to them is in the very same way. The very same way as, as Christ did to me. And, and David knew something about God. And it all began with that in his, in his commander... Um, what can I say? Just, to, just the place that, placement that he had in his group there. People trusted him. They knew him that he would be there for them. And so I just want to leave you with that this morning. As I consider this, you know, <clears throat> first we need to know God. And in our knowing of God, we are genuine and unselfish. And I believe at that point, I believe at that point, then we can know that we can go and God is with us. And I'm sure that there are other points that we could add to that. I'm sure that there are. But you know, as I look at these, I believe they encompass a tremendous amount of the Christian life. And if I follow them, if I am real with myself in them, and and I walk in these things here, that there's going to be a tremendous blessing here from God upon my life and upon the people around me. And, And in genuineness, we do this. And so... It was a joy to be with you today. It really was. And God convicted my heart. I wasn't here preaching to you today. I was me. I needed to hear this. And I tell you, I broke down in my study a number of times and just wept at God's goodness to me. And in His mercy and, and deliverance of me. And, and, and then also, why am I here? Why am I not out there somewhere in, in, in wickedness? And, and you know, we sang a song this morning. You chose it. And I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, take, yes. And just that was just a very beautiful song as I meditated on that, considering the message. And, uh, and God does that. God does that. He takes our hand and He leads His children along. And, uh, and I bless the Lord for that. So, go and the Lord be with thee. Why don't we pray? Father, this morning as I consider these few thoughts and, and uh, in light of Your goodness, in light of Your mercy... In light of where I was to where I am now. And knowing, Father, that you choose to use us. It takes a tremendously humble God to use people like us who make so many mistakes and who offend and and who do things that are wrong. 
And, and yet, Father, the righteous man falls seven times. He gets back up again and goes. And you help us, Father. You, you draw us and you, you give us another opportunity. Another opportunity, Father. And that's where we want to be. Without another opportunity, we would have been lost a long time ago, God. And help us, Father, to truly know you. To truly know the author and the finisher of our faith. To truly know this God, this great God who is before us, who delights in us, who loves to give us his kingdom. And it's a joy for you to do this. And there's a Christ sitting at the right hand of God who at this very moment is presenting us faultless before his throne as we trust you, God. And, and how blessed is that, Father, as we consider this. But help us to know you and then in our knowing of you, God, to be genuine, to be real. Help us not to be like the Pharisees and the things have things in life that are hidden from other people. No, God, but at my life, Monday morning, Tuesday night is the same as it is this morning, Father. And I just want to glorify you in that. But then also to be unselfish, giving, generous, kind in that way. Father, I just bless you for that this morning. Just thank you for being with us. I pray a blessing upon the congregation here. Both congregations represented, Father. That God, that you would bless them in a mighty way, Father. That, that, that Lord, there be much fruit as your heart desires, O oh God. Much fruit coming from these congregations, Lord. As they fellowship, whether it's together or separate. Father, bless them, I pray. Bless them to be fruitful and to multiply and to share your gospel to a lost and dying world. Thank you for being with us in your holy and blessed name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.